we're noticing pushback. Pushback came up for me that we've not experienced before, meaning that people believe it's their right to wear whatever they want to wear to work and you can't tell me what I should wear in some environments. And I think that that is also going to shift. Welcome to Rule Breaker Style Maker, a podcast breaking down the so-called fashion rules that we hold and that hold us back in our life and our style. Through conversations with industry guests and the Australian Style Institute team, we explore how breaking a rule can change your life. I'm your host, Lauren D. Bartolo. Let's get into today's episode. We would like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record today, and pay our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, past, present and emerging. Today we're talking the new rules of professional dressing and what might sound like a pretty simple topic, you know, what we wear to work, maybe what we shouldn't or won't wear, is actually really quite comprehensive. There's a lot of ground to cover and so already before we hit record, Claire and I were thinking there's, there could actually be a few parts to this conversation because it involves an organisation's expectations and sometimes unclear brand and dress code guidelines. We all have our own personal brand that we show up to work with. We're still in hybrid mode in many cases where people are working from home, working from the office. Are we meant to wear the same thing at both occasions? Is there an expectation, again, unspoken, unwritten, that we will actually dress up when we're in the office? It's a generational thing as well. Mm. You're definitely not going to see someone who's in their 20s wearing the same thing as maybe a millennial in their 30s, 40s is going to be wearing because the divide seems to be greater than ever. I mean, that's a lot of words that I've just said, <laughs> which, which just starts to sort of touch the surface. But new rules of dressing, I guess, insinuates that there are some old. And we've heard a lot of those on our feed this week, mm. Reddit threads and TikToks about sort of dress codes from yesteryear. And some of them are still carrying through. Yeah. I, I always find it fascinating when I see something like that, where a dress code is quite, in my words, strict. And there's a lot of, yeah, stipulations around what you can and can't do down to like makeup and grooming. And while that's important, to me, they're a little bit outdated. You know, I can think of one particular Australian retailer who still has it in their guidelines that employees are to wear high heels at least a certain number of days a week. And while that will definitely work for some people who absolutely love getting dressed like that, Mm -hmm. for others, they'll avoid working for that brand because it doesn't align with their values. And so... I think there's this really nuanced sort of part to professional dress and brand guidelines where do they align with you? Do they not? How do you balance that? But also there's that old saying of you dress for the job you want, not the job you have as well. And I don't think we see a lot of that now. You know, we're so of the moment. I think particularly post-COVID, we are all about the now. And we did see the sort of a huge shift toward the employee as opposed to the employer, which meant that you know, we started to get a lot of pushback or, or we, you know, like we said with these threads, there has been pushback toward organisations that are having expectations that have an impact, I guess, on a team member beyond just their sort of professional job requirements. But this wasn't a conversation that we were having some years ago. So I think we've got a long way still to, to actually see where this goes, but the the shift and the movement in this has been really quick. 
I mean, if we think back to sort of Mad Men, right, mm. we had division not even in level or tier of the role that someone held, but men and women. There was very clear dress codes back then and uh, to think that women could only wear skirts or dresses up until really not that long ago, that was what was expected or advised. Pants were a no-go, which just seems, I mean, we're both wearing pants today (laughs) and that seems so outrageous that they could stipulate that. But many schools had this Mm. and still do. So it is a nuanced topic that I think depending on where you are sitting right now in your life is going to impact whether you agree or disagree with what Claire or I have to say about this. And I think my views in this might sit very much in that sort of millennial category because they are grounded in my understanding and confirmation that we really do have so much more influence over our lives and where we want to take them than we think. And a big part of that is through unconscious communication. And we know that a very big part of that is what we wear, not only because of what it tells other people, but because of how it reinforces within us the kind of emotions that we want to access, the thoughts and feelings that we think and feel about ourselves. So makeup was something that you said Mm. has been in some brand guidelines. Heels and footwear is another one, obviously in other industries and there's going to be safety requirements. So that's going to be different. The garments themselves are very much part of that, but it's also different if you're wearing a uniform than if you're wearing your own clothes. Mm. I'm curious though, when it comes to being the owner of a brand, which you are, and having employees who work for you, how do you sort of differentiate what is deemed to be brand guidelines in clothing versus embracing our own style. Because we do work in fashion, which is fun and should embrace our own style. But we were chatting before around how even yourself, you know, if you know that you're representing ASI on a brand level, there's a different sort of space that you tap into. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost. It's this, well, in my wardrobe, I've got my own style, but how do I transfer that into something that maybe is either a little bit more elevated or really connects with that, more corporate, and when I say corporate, I mean traditional. Yeah. When I think of that, I think of Harvey Specter. Yeah. It's not a bad image. <laughs> not a bad image at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's interesting and in how we sort of fluctuate between the two depending on what we're going to do. But for you, how have you sort of developed that version of who Lauren is in a, as an individual and a fashion stylist versus Lauren the brand ASI? Oh, I like that. Well, firstly, what you've just said is we're noticing pushback. Pushback came up for me that we've not experienced before, meaning that people believe it's their right to wear whatever they want to wear to work and you can't tell me what you want to wear um, or what I should wear in some environments. And I think that that is also going to shift. So I think the narrative around that, like everything right now in the social zeitgeist of opinion is going to change. I think there will be more expectation that if you are an organisation that is providing guidelines, firstly, they need to be clear. And I've worked for over a decade now with brands in actually firming up what their guidelines are. You know, even national companies that might have a uniform in place, but the way that that uniform is worn is going to be interpreted slightly differently by everyone which means that there's not uniformity at the end of that. So just imagine you hop on an aircraft and um, Emirates comes to mind. They've got really very clearly outlined guidelines from lip colour, nails, hairstyle, and um, they wear a hat. But let's just say that someone wasn't wearing a hat, someone had their hair down, another one had like a top knot 
or a top bun. Someone else might have facial piercings. These are all things that would represent the population very generally, but don't represent Emirates as a brand. Mm. So I think that's interesting because we could say, oh, well, you know, people should be able to wear what they want. But how would you feel if you hopped onto an aircraft where the uniform was interpreted so differently by everyone on that aircraft? We said Emirates, right? Qantas, you'll have a very different feeling for. Jetstar, a different expectation. The thing with a brand is it's a visual that gets created that doesn't even necessarily have words. It's just this image that comes to our mind. But an image is only created because of every single visual touch point that we have from the website to their socials to the person that we met with in store. Mm. All of these different touch points create a brand. So I think that in the lack of clarity, there is going to be greater need for it than ever. Mm. This methodology in the consistency of experience that I think gives us a lot of unconscious comfort. But also the, I guess, monetary value that that places on it. You know, if you think about Emirates versus a more budget airline, there's going to be a difference in the way that you expect to perceive the people who represent the brand. So it can also be in in how the brand wants to be perceived from a financial standpoint as well. And that then leads into your experience as a consumer. Absolutely. So well put. So back to your question on where do I sit with this personally, for me, it's evolving and it has always evolved. I really believe that we also need to meet the market where we're at. So what I mean by that is I used to wear heels all the time. I used to be I used to put the detail in what I was wearing as a really important factor in how the operation of my week would go. That level of organisation wasn't just about time efficiency. It was about having enough variety and things matching. You know, this is going back quite a while now. 150 years. 150 years. (laughs) (laughs) She reminds me of that all the time. (laughs) But I also think that in that it was reflective of the time Mm. and who I wanted us as Australian Style Institute to be, which was a space, and this part still is, by the way, a space where we show that we have turned up on and ready to provide an experience, whether that now be in person or online, where people know we've made the effort. We actually love expressing fashion. So it doesn't matter what our style is, there is effort that is made. I also bring it back to something that is structure and flow. So it's a terminology we use. And within structure, it doesn't have to mean a suit, but there's a level of construction in the garments that we're wearing, which give a sense of formality, which unconsciously has been proven to give people a sense of safety within the person that they're hearing the message from. So if I'm going to be leading you through a class, I don't want you to be unsure about whether I'm really there or not or know what I'm talking about. And even though I might have 150 years of experience, I'm not going to let what I'm wearing make it more difficult for me, for example, to get that message across. And when I say more difficult, this is all happening on an unconscious level. It's estimated that 80, 90% of communication is unconscious anyway. And as we know, only about seven or 8% are the words that we use. So everything else is a visual cue. Now I'm saying that sat here in a t-shirt today. It's an Australian Style Institute t-shirt. But I think what's really important is that 
that for me gives me a sense of like readiness and respect for the people that are coming into contact with us. Now, if we've got a day in the office and we know that we might not be client facing, you'll probably see me a little bit more in my own style or a bit more relaxed. But I think that there are absolutely times when we're on. And I think that it is okay that as an organisation, that is, that's like showtime. For me, that is really important that the team knows that and they respect that. If they don't respect it, then they're probably not, you know, they're probably, they wouldn't be in the right business. We see players, particularly in the US, on game day, you know, they are ready. They are in that outfit. They do the whole walk now. It's this whole other media kind of component of of the game. We see in finals, even with AFL, there'll often be a different kind of uniform or for, you know, special events. There is a sense of importance that we place on particular times Mm. and that still stays. So again, it's not about heels and it's not about these kind of outdated constructs, which I probably subscribe to at some point, Mm. but it is certainly about respecting that when we're on and we have you know, we get to work with people who love fashion. Mm. And I know that I will hire based on if someone's like, yeah, I really love fashion and they can tell me why. It's it's like, yeah, you're not obviously hiring someone just because they love fashion. That's not going to work. But that would be for someone who is one of the more fashion roles or client-facing roles, that's just going to be a win because I know that the people that they're talking to are just going to appreciate that so much. But if you look at an organisation now, you're not going to expect that the person who might be working in IT is going to be the same as the sales team that is working client-facing. We're seeing that shift happen a lot more. Mm. So that's where an organisation can't place the same expectations on everyone. Mm. Back to the airlines, you wouldn't expect that the same expectations would be put on someone who was working at head office as someone who was in cabin crew. Mm. And I think that's where the lines with those sort of wardrobe or dress code guidelines are really blurry because there are different departments that maybe have a different level of dress that they need to turn up in. But how do you stipulate that in, you know, your policies and procedures and make sure that people feel empowered but also that they're giving that representation of brand standard? Well, when a brand does put that out there, which they're entitled to do, there will always be, and there has been for years, I remember reading an article from someone who worked for Harrods that even 15 years ago had said, you know, this is grounds for legal action to be able to stipulate what someone should wear. And I don't know that that's true in all cases. It might just be of legal ramification if someone wasn't adhering to, for example, um, because, you know, you'd say, did it impact their role and their performance? But it's interesting because some of those types of, I guess, conversations haven't really shifted that much, even though as individuals, our style and the expectations of the companies that we work for has shifted. So it's this interesting time where there, I think, is a bit of pull and tug between an organisation and an individual. And as stylists and brand consultants, I think over the next two, three years, we're going to see a real increase in the need for advisory and frameworks from people like us to be put in place for organisations that are trying to navigate a very, at times, prickly landscape. 
But you said something really key there was how do you actually empower someone as well to feel like they are willing and wanting to get on board. And as humans, we want choice and variety. And so, yeah, yeah, it must be very difficult to sort of come up with the guidelines that help someone feel that there is that, but there's also a level of expectation of how they turn up. And sometimes I think that's where grooming comes into it. I mean, Mm. that's a whole other podcast episode in itself. But as an example, there's a guy who works in our office and we won't mention names, but Mm -hmm. he has what I'd like, we'd like to call a uniform. Yeah. Dark coloured jeans, a white Oxford shirt, blue boots and the same kind of jacket that he wears on what seems like everyday repeat. And while that might not to an outsider if they're meeting him for the first time make an impact, the fact that we see him, you know, three, four days a week in that same look makes you sort of wonder small things like how often is that a new shirt every day or is it the same shirt? There's just these unconscious things that come to mind that make you question how that person then looks after themselves and you know, spends their time. And that comes down to grooming as well, because it doesn't matter if you turn up in a three-piece suit and look like Harvey Specter from the clothing outset, if your maybe hair isn't done or you've got body odour or those, you know, your shoes are scuffed. People overlook shoes all the time when it comes to finishing off an outfit and, and making it look complete. And I just think those, that level of detail is sometimes all it takes to take something that might be maybe a little bit more casual or yeah. less corporate yeah. into something that meets a level of presentation expectation. I so agree. And I think that's where there's an educational gap. What the sort of those foundational expectations are that we either overlook because we're busy with other things in our life or we were never taught. I think it's really unfair for a brand to expect that, for example, shine shoes are just something that would be in place for everyone if majority of your workforce is of an age where they've never had to shine their shoes. If you look at someone who's perhaps 30 years and younger, let's just say they were never taught by a family member or a guardian um, and they've never thought to do it themselves, that would be a generation with consumerism where generally a scuffed shoe would equal a replacement shoe. So you might then think, you know what, this has a little bit more lifespan in it. I'm going to push it as long as I can and then I'll change it. Or what some people will say, and I've heard this, you know, forever is, oh, but it's just my work shoes. And it's like, Mm. unless maybe you're working in an environment that is going to get you dirty every day, you're, if you're in an office environment, let's just say, you're leaving an impression with those shoes that you're saying, but they're just my work shoes. It's like, well, everyone who knows you in that environment doesn't see what you're wearing outside of that. So the only way that they can create a brand perception of you is based on what they see, you know, in the days that you are actually face to face. Yeah. Even tradies change their boots out on the regular, you know, if they get too dirty and too muddy and things like that, they've got to change them out. And it should be the same for, you know, most people. Hot tip, completely off topic, but I was speaking with my neighbor recently who had said that she always gets her partner when he changes his boots Um, He's away a lot. And so whenever he gets a new set of boots, I think he he might only use them to to garden. But anyway, when he's upgrading them, she puts them out the front of her place because it always looks like there's a man at home when he's away. (laughs) And I thought, what a clever, clever little tip. And I've heard people say that before. One of our stylists who is on the road a lot, she works a lot with women in regional areas and stays at motels in in sort of far-flung places. She'll always pack a pair of work boots with her 
leave them at the door because everyone leaves their boots at the door. And she says she's not going to leave a pair of heels out or a pair of women's shoes. So completely off topic. But if you know someone in your life who needs to upgrade their shoes and they look like a big burly pair of old boots, <laughs> don't get them to throw them away. Put them at your door if you ever feel the need for extra security. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Okay, back to the guy that's in the office. Is our perception of him being that he's a bit of a hot mess, we question whether he's changing out his clothes or not, which I think he is. I, I, I do think there's grooming, which mm. is completely, that's that's the confusing part because it's like, no, he's he's groomed, but because of the repetition, there is something that we can't quite put our finger on, but that just seems out of sorts. It mm. just doesn't seem quite right. But he might be subscribing to the Mark Zuckerberg idea where you get 10 of the same shirt ready to go. They're all, you know, really high quality. And he, so there's one less thing for him to think about. That's what he has in rotation. But we don't know that that's his approach. We don't know that whether he thinks that Mark Zuckerberg has it figured out. So all we can take is the information that's provided to us. And he might think, well, we're not his client or, you know, who gives a shit. shit? (laughs) Exactly. And that though is really dangerous because people create a perception one way or another. Mm. I think it's going to be interesting to see how businesses adapt, especially knowing that about 75% of businesses now offer hybrid working. So part from home, part in an office and what that's going to do for the way that we dress moving forward. Yeah. You said before that we all like to have choice and we certainly do. But if you're one of the people who, who doesn't like choice when it comes to wardrobe and you are looking at what your career options are or which organisations you want to work for, then working for an organisation that does have a uniform could actually be a really good fit for who you are and your personality or where you're at in your life. Even if it's that they have a branded polo shirt, for example, and a pair of pants, and that's what you wear every day, some people love that they do not need to allocate the mental capacity or even have the yeah, the need to focus on that. Mm. I actually remember one of the jobs that I had in visual merchandising and the first day on that job, I turned up in what I thought was going to be a professional outfit for the first day. They forgot to tell me that the uniform was actually to wear all black when you're on the shop floor. Right. And I got called out by my manager. She's like, you're not in all black. And I said, no one told me that that was the case. Yes. So even those sorts of things, you know, unless you advise your team members and that they actually know that there is a standard, how are they supposed yeah. to follow it? I remember speaking of All Black years ago, there was a, peep, a show on TV. I think it was actually on it was actual a city. TV on with actual ads? TV with oh ads. God. No, it was MTV, I think. Oh. Yeah, and it's having a resurgence again now with snippets on social media. The organisation is People's Revolution. It's headed up by a woman called Kelly Catrone, who was notorious for saying, if you're going to cry, go outside. <laughs> um, she's, she's, pretty, she's pretty blunt. But the conversation in one of these sort of episodes were they were sitting around a, you know, in having a meeting prepping for fashion week. And she said, I expect that you're all in black. And she was called out for that. And someone said, you know, how can you say that people should have to wear black? And her reframe on that was actually really, it was great. And I think this is where it's good for us to ask why. Because her reasoning was, I've got particularly like the the group of people were, were young Um, not a lot of them had money to access. They were surrounded by people who were in designer clothes. 
they were working as a team on an event and needed to be identified in some way. And it is so inexpensive to look polished when you're in a black top and black pants. And her reasoning for that, I thought, was sound. But the, I guess, the opinion that people had on, like, you're telling people what they have to wear was, like, the complete antithesis of what she was what she was trying to achieve. And so I think that there's, we also need to check in if a brand or an organisation has a reason for a brand to be put in place or, sorry, an expectation to be put in place, what is it? Mm. Because I, I know with visual merchandising, there's also an OH&S expectation. You know, you're moving mannequins around. There can be heavy things. Close toe shoes, freedom of movement. Mm. You probably wouldn't wear something that's quite short if you're up a ladder. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it's an, it's an interesting time. The all black thing I find fascinating because, bless my boyfriend, he thinks as soon as someone is in all black, they must work in hospitality. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just this unconscious rule that he has. Yeah. Um, and I think that used to be the case. We're seeing more flexibility in that now. But yeah. I just think the rules that people have around, you know, if you work in a certain environment, there is, you know, your A, B or C, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think it will change so much. I think there are some people who still think in black and white. Yep. I'm glad that we're not in that space. <laughs> I love the freedom yeah. of being able to sort of express myself and I know that the people we work with appreciate that because it's a creative industry, but there's not always that flexibility. No. Yeah. So again, it's industry specific and not in all cases, but in some you'll be attracted to the kind of industry that is a reflection of who you are anyway. So I think there can be uh, and there will continue to be a lot of talk and a lot of resistance when in some cases it's not necessary. What is necessary is clearer guidelines, including for ourselves. So I want to, I guess, wrap this episode up with some really practical tips that we can share with our listeners on how can they navigate their own personal brand, irrespective of where they're working. They may be self-employed. Uh, But there's a few things that I think you want to be able to do. And that is if you haven't looked at what your style is in some time, you want to clarify it so that it is simplified. So a really good way to do that is to either look through your wardrobe or to take a few photos of yourself in different outfits, crop your head out of it. It's a really brilliant tool that we share to be able to create some disassociation And actually ask, what do I think about that person's style? Because it's not my style anymore. What do I think about that person's style? What is it actually communicating? And it could be that as you look at these photos or as you look at your wardrobe, you like it, but it's really casual. It might be kind of the hangover effect from COVID where we all started buying a lot of, yeah, just more casual, comfortable clothes. And you might actually say, you know, what I'm missing is some more elevated pieces, So that's, again, where we could look to more sort of structured pieces. It could be jackets. They don't have to be part of a suit, but something that helps you to feel like you've got those pieces that bring a look together. Mm. Um, It might be that you realise that you've got a colour palette that's really all the same kind of colour. And what's actually missing to give you the variety that you need is a sense of, yeah, whatever it is. But Pinterest can be a really good place to go for references of this. I think as well, it's not something that you need to do immediately unless you're working with a stylist who can help you to create this in a matter of hours. If this is an exercise of creativity that you're doing at home, then create a folder, whether it's on your Instagram about your style or you might even have a folder in your photo album 
I know I've got one on on both. And whenever I see a style that I like, I it might not even be how I'd wear it, but it, it there's something about it that I like that I think, you know what, that might be the next evolution of what I want my style to be. Then take a screenshot or put it in that folder. And as you go through those images, perhaps in a couple of weeks time of the images you've been gathering, you'll notice that there is a theme. And it might not be that different to what your style is at the moment, but it might just be slightly elevated or it could be that there is more focus on quality fabrics. Things just look sharper. They look better. So I think take stock of where your style is currently at and be really honest with yourself. If it's not, it's generally down to one of a couple of reasons. You're holding in your wardrobe garments that you think that you will wear one day, that maybe one day when I lose the weight, when I, when I, when I, and have a reason to wear it, either start finding reasons now or decide even if I could fit this again or if I wanted to wear it, does it actually reflect who I am now? Because it may have been fine five years ago, but if you were to wear that, it's kind of like, it's just not you anymore. So it doesn't mean you throw it away, like gift it, thrift it, do something to pass those on if you already have enough in your wardrobe to be able to, yeah, to work with. And that's where mixing and matching, we don't have to go and buy new clothes all the time, but we do need to create yeah, new looks, I think, is, is a really great way to do it. So use reference points around you of the kinds of styles that you like. And my recommendation here is don't buy into any of the short-term trends that are happening. We are seeing trends are sort of so fleeting at the moment that by the time you watch a TikTok about one trend and then you take a look in your wardrobe and you actually finish your wardrobe makeover, the next trend will be here. And I saw a brilliant clip last night where there was a girl who was wearing, she said, I'm wearing my Gucci belt. And she said, I heard someone, you know, on social media recently say that Gucci belts are out and we're not wearing our t-shirts, jeans and, and these belts anymore. And then I realised, and she went into it, she said, I'm listening to someone that probably has no idea what they're talking about, that doesn't know my life or my lifestyle. Why am I discounting these great pieces that I have? So she said, so the whole point was I'm giving myself permission to wear the things that I want, pending that they're good quality, I feel good in them, they fit. I'm doing that and I'm giving permission to you too. So that though is empowering, yes, but that's also a trend where people will start pulling things out and saying, oh, but chick on TikTok said that I could still bring it back to what do you want your brand to actually communicate? And if you're not that happy with where your role is at at the moment, maybe your confidence isn't where you want it to be and you think that there's room to grow, then it has to be somewhere different than where your style is at at the moment. Mm. I think as well, looking at the quality or condition of what you have, because sometimes it does fit well, but maybe it's got a stain or it's missing a button. And, you know, a button is an easy thing to fix if you have the time and want to yeah but it's also looking at does it just need a refresh because I think it's that sort of thing as well that can instantly take an outfit down a notch and maybe make us seem less credible or that we care less and it's just like we've been talking about the unconscious sort of messages that that sends to other people it's fascinating yeah any tips that you want to share from sessions or experiences with clients more recently that have come up when it comes to workwear yeah, I think for a lot of people, they separate their workwear from their lifestyle wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And 
well, that can be great for some people, especially if you wear a uniform, mm-hmm. that, that obviously would happen. Yep. But for people who can wear their normal clothes in work, start to look at how you can integrate and mix and match those pieces to give you new outfits. Yep. And maybe it is as simple as adding stru- a structured jacket to that, you know, tee that you might wear with your jeans on the weekend, but you actually pair it back with a tailored pant or skirt and a jacket yep. and give it new life. In some cases, it is about changing out shoes or Mm -hmm. an accessory. But I think there's more options of what we already own than probably what you think. But we end up with tunnel vision in the sense that we we look at our wardrobe in the same way. So if you're not someone who has the budget to go out and invest in you, Mm -hmm. start to look at what you already have and how you can wear it different ways. And I think that's the beauty of playing dress-ups a little bit with what you own. It might look awful, (laughs) But you don't know unless you put it on. I know for me, sometimes even with clients, I can get them in an outfit and think in my head that should have looked really good. But then for some reason you put it on and it just doesn't work. It either doesn't feel like them or the proportions are off or it might be that it's the colours don't necessarily go together when you actually put it as one complete look. Mm. But if you've got the freedom to be able to explore that, you can start to build new outfits that almost feel like you've got a new wardrobe but with the same pieces. You're just wearing them a new way. Yeah, I so agree. I think this is going to be an interesting space to watch as it unfolds. I think it's going to continue to have quite a bit of tension for some time between what an employee wants to wear and perhaps the expectations of an organisation. I think there's going to be a lot of ex- a lot of organisations that as they become clear will also attract more of the type of candidate that is the right fit. I think sometimes as organisations we can also be concerned that by having clear parameters we may not attract as many people or the type of the the quality of of candidate when really I think it's actually a a powerful tool to find the right culture of candidate as well. And effort is cool and I think that's the other thing that we're going to see. Putting an effort in is going to be sort of normalised again. I think we've had this sort of anti-effort aesthetic happening for a while where if you try too hard or you put too much in that it's not something that's rewarded and and that's also very much an Australian thing I think so yeah watch this space it's gonna be exciting yeah we want to put it out to you as well I, I would love to know from our listeners what are you finding at the moment as far as are you clear on what your personal and professional aesthetic brand actually is what other those sort of speed humps that you're experiencing at the moment? And has there been any pressure or tension between what the expectations of the organisation that you work for have and the way that you want to be dressing for yourself? Mm. I want to wrap this up by asking you a question, which is how do you decide what you're going to wear to work every day? I think I've done my word count about three times over already today in this (laughs) podcast, so I'm going to do my best to keep this articulate. I don't rely on my feelings of the day to dictate what I'm going to wear if I know that there's something more important at play, i.e. if I'm going to be creative that day, cool, I can wear whatever I feel is going to be creative or practical or... But if there is a level of being on to serve an audience, to deliver a message to do something that isn't just about me and how I feel, then that's what I'm dressing 
for because that's always going to have a better result. I also think it's just it's a form of respect and it's very kind of, I guess, millennial perspective again maybe, but it gets results. So I dress not just for the day. You dress for the outcome that you're looking to get the from the day. outcome. And that's, that's probably the biggest difference. How about you? The same. Depending on what I've got on that day, it's not always about how I feel. It is about what is going to help me turn up to what I need to get done. Yeah. And I think I've learned that from you, from working alongside you for four years. But also as a stylist, that's what I teach my clients. Yeah. And our students. And yeah. Have you ever had a bra that's kind of like poking in a bit too much? Maybe the wire's just not sitting right? I know I have. It's the bane of my existence. Any woman who is listening to this podcast, you will know what it's like when you put on the underwear that irritates you for the rest of the day yeah. and you just can't wait to get home and rip that bra off. Absolutely. Well, the irritation that you would be experiencing, whether it's like a pair of knickers that are riding up or a pair of stockings that are rolling down uh, or a bra that's just cutting in, we notice that because it creates a point of irritation or discomfort. And when we're not dressing for the environment that we're in or the person that we want to be, I feel like often our outfit can be this point of weakness where we question ourselves. Am I good enough? Have I got this? Do I belong here? Do I remember what I was going to say? Will they like me? A whole range, there's hundreds if not thousands more of them, completely unconscious that come up in moments of weakness. Not when we're feeling amazing, but in those moments that we're fatigued, doubting, out of our comfort zone. So if you think about a really great outfit, you're not thinking about it constantly through the day. You're just getting on with the job. But when you don't feel that way, you notice it like the underwear. So you wouldn't choose to put something that's really uncomfortable on in the morning. So why would you choose to put something on that made you doubt or question yourself? Mm. I hope from this episode that people start to look, yeah, look at their wardrobe differently and how they want to show up to, to their workplace, whether it's for themselves or an organisation. If you do change it up, maybe tag us, tag ASI, Australian Style Institute in your social media post and we can, yeah, see what you're wearing to work. That'd be great. Thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rule Breaker, Style Maker. If you'd like to keep up to date with new episodes, podcast news and what we do at ASI, be sure to follow our Instagram at Australian Style Institute. And if you're wanting to follow my own personal style journey and all things human behaviour of style, then you can follow my personal account at Lauren D. Bartolo. And I'll see you in the next episode.